Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a privilege, what a joy it is again to share with you God's Word. We are in the book of Psalms. Psalms is very special to the heart of Jesus, to the heart of the apostles. It is used most often. Why? Because it speaks from the depth of their pain, their agony, their experiences. So I praise God for the book of Psalms. You can be honest with God. The topic today is about fear. How do you deal with fear? May I begin by asking all of you a simple question. What are you afraid of? What is your worst fear? What are you worried about? What is fear? Well, fear is an unpleasant emotion. It is a negative feeling or a belief that something or someone is about to harm us, it's dangerous, it's a threat. Fear can be imagined or it can be something real. In the Bible, there are over 365 commands given to us. And what is the command? Do not fear. It's a command. Sometimes I ask myself, why 365 times? Perhaps it's one command for every day. 365 commands do not fear, except for leap year. So I give you permission to be afraid one day during leap year. <laughs> Reality is God does not want us to live in fear because fear can paralyze you, incapacitate you. Fear can rob you of today's joy by focusing on what may happen tomorrow. According to this fear expert, he said 91% of our fears do not really happen. Now remember, fear is given by God for our protection. So it's not always bad. Some fears are good, some are not. Example of good fears. Fear of fire. Fear of having an accident. When you're climbing a tall tree, those fears are valid. Some others are not. I believe fear is not always bad because there's a kind of fear that is very healthy. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Today, I want to share with you how do we deal with fear. Let's look at our text for today. Psalm chapter 56. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Notice the grammar. When I am afraid. The grammar says, when, literally, every time, every time, I am afraid. Every time. Make it a habit. When I am afraid, what is the habit? I will put my trust in you. 
Psalm chapter 56 is full of personal pronouns. I, me, myself. Why? It's between the writer, who is David, and God. He's intimate with God. And he says, the way to deal with fear, many times it is inevitable. Certain things will happen. So what do you do? Fear is a reminder to transfer your focus from what you are afraid of to God. So David said, when I am afraid, every time I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God. Notice the context of Psalm 56. When the Philistines seize him in gut. So this psalm was written not in the context of living in the palace, not in a classroom. It is written in actual life. When David was facing the worst danger of his life. When the Bible says this was written when he was in Gath, when he was seized by the Philistines, this is exactly what happened. David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achis, king of Gath. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of David. He was being chased by the king. Imagine the entire army, the entire resources of the government. Put yourself in his shoes. It's like you are now in the Philippines and the government, the entire bureaucracy has made you the most wanted man in this country. That was David. Saul devoted 3,000 choice soldiers to look for David. So David was running away from Saul. Can you imagine the fear in David's life? And then when he ran, he was thinking perhaps it is safer if I go to a land controlled by the Philistines. Not realizing when he went to the occupied territory of the Philistines, he was captured. Captured by the Philistines. And this is the background. And this is what happened. But the servants of Achis said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achis, king of Gath. Who was David in the eyes of the Philistines? Remember, David was the one who killed the champion of the Philistines. It was David who was responsible for the defeat of the Philistines. So they all knew who is this David. So David was in danger. David was scared. The Bible says, greatly feared. So what do you do when you're afraid? The Bible tells us, David prayed. Do you recall? Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppressed me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long. There are many who fight proudly against me. David was in real trouble. He was honest to God. For David, when he's afraid, he will turn to God. But you notice something? 
when you pray to God, it does not mean you don't do your part. What did David do? The Bible tells us David disguised his sanity before them and acted insanely in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate, let his saliva run down into his beard. Then Achis said to his servants, Behold, you see the man behaving as a madman. Why do you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this one to act the madman in my presence? What did David do? When you pray, it does not mean you don't do your part. David thought of how in the world will I escape from the danger of the Philistines. So he acted like he was crazy. And he was so successful in his acting that the king said, this guy is a madman. Why are you bringing him to me? He's crazy. And because of that, David was able to escape. May I suggest, when you are in danger, what do you do? For many people, the last thing they do is pray. For David, the first thing he will do is pray. What about us? For many of us, prayer is the last resort. For David, prayer is the first and last resort. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. Notice the context of this verse. When I am afraid, Fear will come sooner or later. What do you do? I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? For David, when fear comes, he does not allow fear to stay. I love this quotation. It says, Fear can be a visitor, but not a resident. When fear comes, let it be a reminder. It's time to turn to the Lord. Our topic today is from fear to trust in God. Let fear be a reminder. Trust in God. Every time you're afraid, that's what David is saying, the solution, the antidote for fear is trust. I will put my trust. Do you notice? It's a choice. I will put my trust. Personally, I will trust in you. Very personal. David had a personal relationship with God. By the way, what is the meaning of the word trust? The word trust comes from this Hebrew word batak. Batak it's a combination of different Hebrew words. First, it is describing a tent, a home, from the word Beth, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's a house, it's a place. So trust has the idea of resting inside your home, sanctuary. Another combination of word is tet. It is the idea of wrapping something. It's describing a snake wrapping around something, coiled like a vine, a weave basket. The idea is you cling to something. 
In this case, trust is you are clinging to the Lord. You find your security in the Lord. You are placing your faith in the Lord. You are placing your confidence in the Lord. But batak is also used to describe falling on your knees, completely surrendering. It's a beautiful word to describe trust. When you surrender everything to the Lord, you are saying, Lord, I'm completely dependent upon you. Such is what David did. So how do you trust in the Lord? There are four things that David did. Number one, David turned to the Lord. He prayed. Number two, he trusted in God's word. Number three, to trust God is to trust his character. Number four, it is to thank him in advance. You find this in Psalm 56. That's how you trust God. David said, be gracious to me, O God. It is knowing that God is approachable. This word, be gracious. David is praying, not because he deserves to be answered. He's saying, Lord, by your grace, I don't deserve this, but be gracious to me. What a wonderful prayer. That's how you turn to God. That's how you trust God. You pray. In fact, the Bible is very clear. The Bible tells us, casting all your anxiety on him. Why? He cares for you. The reason why we should turn to the Lord is because God cares. The next thing, you will notice what David did. He trusted in God's word. He trusted. David said the following. When I'm afraid, I will trust you. Now notice the next sentence. In God whose word I praise. In God I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. In these two verses, the personal pronoun appeared eight times. I, I will put my trust. Whose word I, I have put my trust. Something personal. But you see, the object of his faith, the object of his trust is God's word. God, when you trust God, you trust him because of his word, his promises. Look at what the Bible says. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. In order for trust to grow, you cannot separate trusting God and trusting the word of God. Let me explain to you why. How will you know who God is? The Bible tells us God has revealed to us in the following ways. In the book of Romans chapter 1, God has revealed to us through creation. The Bible says when you see the stars, when you see the moon, when you see the trees, when you see the plants, you realize there's a creator. So you come to know the power of God, the creativity of God through creation. But it's not enough. You will come to know God through the revealed word of God. The Bible tells us God has revealed himself to us through his word. How do you know God is compassionate? How do you know God is faithful? How do you know who God is? The Bible tells us 
God revealed himself. I am compassionate. I am righteous. I am perfect. How else do we know God? In the, not just written word, in the living word. The Bible says, the word became flesh. Jesus is the word of God. And that's how you come to know God. How do you know God is love, God is kind? Jesus tells us, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And that's why it is important to know the Word of God. That's how you come to grow in your faith, in your trust. Notice what God tells us about himself. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, will he not do it? Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? Numbers 23, 19. This is one of our memory verses. That's why I use it. I'm reminded. When God says something, he said, I will do it. When God has spoken, God says, I'm going to do it. You see, David trusted God. How do you put your trust in God? David is saying, I pray. Turn to the Lord. David is saying, I trust in his promises. I trust his word. You have to realize David is a recipient of God's word, of God's promises. When David was a young man, he remembered clearly. Around the age of 15, this is what he remembered. God promised David, David, you are going to be the future king of Israel. God promised David. God gave David his word. What do I mean? And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, this him is David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose and went to Ramah. David remembered that God made a promise. You are going to be the king, the future king of Israel. The problem is this. Present reality does not match the promises of God. David cannot reconcile. Why am I running away? Why is my life in danger? When God promised me, I'm going to be king. And my friend, this is where trust comes. Because trust is anchored on the word of God, not on circumstances. Let me ask you, what are you counting on? What is the source of your trust? To say you trust God is wonderful. What do you mean? You see, trust must have an object. The object of your trust will show whether that trust is reliable or not. It is not the size of your faith. It is not the size of your trust. It is how faithful the trust is. I'm going to give you an illustration of what my wife and I did a few years ago in New Zealand when we did the unthinkable. Skydive, yeah? Yes. First time? Yes. First time. How high today, Peter? 12,000 12, feet. feet. 45 seconds free yes. fall and good fun, okay? 45 seconds. Second, yes, hopefully he will open the parachute. If no, then we will have one minute. You know what I'm going to do today? No. It's a demonstration of faith. Perfect. And I'm going to put my trust in God. Yes, high five.
you will notice the object of my trust, of my faith, is on the parachute. If the parachute is not reliable, I'm in deep trouble. Now let me ask you, what is the basis of your trust? What are you depending on? I am depending on the promises of God. Are you claiming any of God's promises? Let me give an example. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. I have claimed that promise for my life, for my family. To put God first, and then He promised me, He'll provide. My God will supply all your needs. I have claimed many of God's promises. My question to you is this. Do you know God's word? Second, are you claiming any of his promises? If you do not know God's word, how will you claim God's promises? If we don't know the Lord, how will we trust him? Therefore, the study of God's word and the growth of your faith, they go together. In order to be able to trust, you need to know the Word of God. To know the Word of God is to know the promises of God. The next few verses tells us, just because you trust God does not mean your problems are solved. Notice what David said. David continued, All day long they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps. They have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth in anger, put down the peoples, O God. David is saying, these people are evil. They are out to get me. They distort what I'm saying. They badmouth me. All their thoughts are against me. They really plan evil. I don't know what you're going on in life. But the truth is, sometimes our problems are so real. Just like David. They are not imaginary. These are real problems. I don't know what problems you are facing today. COVID-19, financial problems, career problems. Perhaps some people don't like you. Whatever it is, I pray that you learn to keep trusting. You know why? David did not place his trust in circumstances. He was still in trouble. Notice, he's saying, these guys are after me. But notice, for David, he said, I will trust his character. I will trust in God. Why? Look at the following verses. David said, You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your battle. Are they not in your book? An amazing description of God's love and care. You put my tears in your battle. This is a Middle Eastern practice that has been going on for thousands of years. When the mourners cry, they put their tears in battle to remind their loved ones that I'm crying for you, I love you. And God is reminding us through David that God understands, He cares for us. You put my tears in your battle are they not in your book? 
what is the Bible saying? God is telling us, I know your problems. I know your tears. I'm aware. They are, they are placed in the battle. I know. They are written in the book. I'm aware. You see, God wants you to know He loves us. God wants us to know His character. He loves. He cares. He is not indifferent. Exodus 3.7 the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Notice, I have seen. God sees our pain. I heed. I listen. I know. I am taking action. I know they are crying. And I am aware. You know, sometimes you feel so lonely. Sometimes you feel like your parents don't even understand you. Your own family members don't even know you. They don't even know what's going on. God is telling you today, to those of us who are listening, I'm telling you right now, God is saying, I care for you. Trust me. I know how you are feeling. You know, this became so real in my life. When I read this verse, Psalm 103, As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. You know, when I became a father, I began to realize how much God loves me. I have five wonderful children. I love them. In fact, I remember when one of them got sick, I cried. I said, Lord, let me take the place of my child. Let me be the one to get sick. Heal my child. I remember sometimes when I would spank my daughter. I would cry. Why? I love my daughter. But why do I have to spank my daughter? Out of love. And God is telling us, no matter what's happening to you, I'm telling you, I love you. And then, if you notice, the Bible tells us, David continued, my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. David was so sure that God is going to give him victory. Why? This I know, that God is for me. Notice, this I know. This is from the word yada. It is something experiential. David is saying, this I know. I have experienced. This is something true. God is for me. Very, very personal. God is for me. Why is this so important? It is so important because many times the devil lies to us. The devil is saying, you know what? God is not happy with you. God is against you. From fear. To trust in God, you must know. You must trust His character. The Bible tells us, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? The Bible is very clear. You can trust Him. Why? God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against us? If the most powerful being in the universe is for us, is for you. Who can be against us? 
Do you see that argument? You can trust him. Why? Because God is for us. Notice, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not with him freely give us all things? How do you know God is for us? Notice the argument. Notice the theological argument that you can be sure God is for you. This is the argument. If God did not spare his own son, Jesus, the Bible tells us God described Jesus as, this is my beloved son. I am well pleased. God told the disciples, Jesus is my beloved son. God described Jesus as my beloved son. Theology is saying, if God gave us his most precious possession, Jesus, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How did God deliver Jesus? On the cross. Every time you doubt the love of God, I want you to consider the cross. Every time I question the love of God, I think of the cross. How God gave us his son to die for us. I think of Jesus. How much he suffered. And he died for us. Friends, you can trust God. Why? He loves you. He cares for you. His character is trustworthy. Why? He loves you. How will he not, with Jesus, freely give us all things? Do you really believe God is for you? God is for us. You can turn fear from fear to trust in God. Why? Because God cares. Because God loves you. You can trust his character. Notice, he repeats, In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, notice, the double use, whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. Remember, God's word, God's character, and our faith, they go together. You cannot separate God's character, knowing God, from his word, his promises. In God I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. Previously, David said, when I'm afraid, <coughs> I will trust. Now, he's declaring something else. He's saying, because I put my trust in God, I will not be afraid. Do you notice something? Faith, trust in God, and fear, they don't coexist. When I'm afraid, I will trust God. And now he's saying, because I put my trust in God, I shall not be afraid. Friends, every time you are afraid, you ask yourself, why am I afraid? Is it because you are no longer trusting God? Remember, trust and fear do not coexist. Fear is a reminder that you are not trusting God. Learn the habit 
of trusting God. Fear itself is not bad. It's a reminder. But if you don't deal with fear properly, you'll become paralyzed. And you will fall into the trap of Satan. Trusting God will help you not be afraid. You will not be afraid of man. What can man do to me? This is so important. To trust God is the antidote for fear. Especially the fear of men. What do I mean? Kevin the Young said, There is no sin so prevalent, so insidious, and so deep as the sin of fearing people more than the fear of God. What he's saying is this. When you fear men, many times it will help, it will make you commit sin. See, the root problem of sin, you may not realize this, is unbelief. The lack of trust in God. Let me give you an example. When King Saul disobeyed God, why did he disobey God? What was the root problem of disobedience? Notice what the Bible says. When King Saul was confronted by Samuel the prophet, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rush upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words. Because I feared the people and listened to their word. The reason why Saul was disobedient to God was because he feared people. How often do we compromise, do we disobey because we are afraid of what people will say, of what people will do? Friends, this message is very, very crucial. Because it tells you how to deal with fear. And those fear, the fear of men, the fear of what may happen, the only antidote is to trust God. I remember years ago, one of our members called me at night and asking me permission. Peter, can I lie to my wife just once? He was asking permission to lie. Why? Because the wife discovered his infidelity. The wife discovered he was having an affair when he gets out of town. And he was so scared. And he said, can I lie to my wife just this once? Because the wife kept asking him questions. And I told him, do not lie. You need to trust God. And this is what he told me. If I don't lie to my wife, I am finished. My marriage is finished. I said, that is what you think. But you trust God. Trust God by doing what is right. No matter what the consequences is, trust God. And I praise God. He was honest. And of course, the rest is history. There was an explosion, but praise God. If you look at their marriage today, they're one of the loveliest couple. They counsel couples who are in trouble. Why? 
Because it is through obedience. It is through trusting God where you learn the faithfulness of God. What is impossible becomes possible. My friend, how do you turn fear from fear to trust in God? Well, you turn to Him, you pray. You must trust His word. Know His promises. You must trust His character. Do you believe He cares for you? Do you believe He will keep His word? And lastly, learn to thank Him in advance. That's what David did. David tells us in the last verses of Psalm 56, David said, Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. My goodness, David is now connecting, trusting God with keeping his vows. Your vows are binding upon me, O God, I will render thank offerings to you. Let me explain this. Many times when we are in trouble, we make promises. I know many Christians, when they have problems, they make promises to God. When God has answered their prayers, they forget. David is different. David said, Lord, I will keep my word. David must have made some promises. But notice his vows became your vows. Your vows. When you make promises to God, that becomes his. And that's why the Bible is very, very emphatic. Be careful when you make vows. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it. He takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. When you make a promise to God in the midst of your trials and God did something, I pray you fulfill your commitment. I remember my own life years ago. When I was hospitalized, I told God, Lord, once I get out of this hospital, I will do as you have told me to do. I will start a New Testament fellowship. We will do church based on the book of Acts. I have no idea what it means to put up a New Testament church. But God made it very clear. It's not enough you disciple. You have to assemble them together. You have to disciple them. Make it into a movement. And I realized why I was hesitant. Because it is easier to be Bible studies. And you can leave them. But once you put up a church, once you establish a congregation, you cannot leave your people. Because you are now the shepherd. But I praise God. That was almost 36, 37 years ago. And God has enabled me to keep my vows. Lord, I will do what you ask me to do. David is saying, your vows are binding. I will render thank offerings. What is thank offerings? The best way to express your trust is worship, is thanking God in advance. 
What is he thanking God for in advance? Notice, you have delivered my soul from death. Indeed, my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. David was still in trouble. But he was already declaring that God is going to solve his problem. He was thanking God in advance while he's surrounded by enemies. Notice what he's saying. You have delivered my soul from death. In the Bible, you will notice a statement of certainty as usually written as past tense. You will notice biblical prophecy written in past tense. It is so certain it's going to happen. That is what David is saying. David is saying, I am sure you will deliver my soul from death, my feet from stumbling. I may walk before God in the light of the living. It has not yet happened. But David is saying, I thank you in advance. Because thanking God is an act of worship. The Bible tells us, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Thanking God, praising God is worship. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Do you realize when you give thanks to God, it is worship? Do you realize when you praise him, when you give thanks to him, it is the fruit of your sacrifice? What is faith? Faith. What is trust? True faith rests upon the character of God. Ask no further proof than the moral perfections of the one who cannot lie. And my friend, the antidote for fear is trust God. When you trust God, you are saying, I believe in the character of God. I don't need any further proof than the moral perfections of the one who cannot lie. Many times, what is happening to us, you cannot reconcile with the character of God. God is perfect. God is love. Then you ask yourself, why am I sick? Why am I having a problem? Sometimes, I can reconcile the two. But one thing I know, I will keep trusting because God keeps his promises. No wonder the Bible tells us faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You see, when you trust God, you know what he promised will come true. It is the assurance, the certainty. That's why David could thank God in advance. That's why you are commanded, be anxious for nothing. Remember Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let the request be made known to God. Why do you add thanksgiving? Because you are thanking God in advance. You don't thank God just because it has been done. You thank God even before it is accomplished. That's faith in the living God. The conviction of things not seen. That's why faith is so crucial. Trusting God is foundational in the Christian life. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You want to please God today? Can I tell you something? It is impossible without faith. 
It is without faith. It is impossible to please him. Not hard. It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. Number one, what must you believe in? That he is God. That God is God. He's sovereign. All powerful. But not only that. That he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Do you believe that God is good? Is the rewarder. Do you trust his character? There's no need to apply faith or trust if you can see everything. If everything's going well for us, where do you put faith? Why do you need trust if everything's going well for you? On the contrary, when things are not going well, just like David, when you are in the night, how can you sing? Psalms are songs in the night. Because in the, it is in the midst of darkness, in the midst of uncertainties, when you can exercise your trust. Faith will grow based on your knowledge of who God is. Let me repeat. It is not the size of your trust or the size of your faith. It is how big God is. That's why Jesus tells us, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, one of the smallest seed in Israel, God is saying that's enough. Why? A small faith in a big God is all you need. You don't need big faith in a small God. The secret is how big is the object of your faith. The more you know him, the more you can trust him. The more you meditate on his word, on his promises, the more you can trust him. The trusting God is a byproduct of your intimacy with him. It's a byproduct of your experience with him. By the grace of God, I've known the Lord for over 50 years. And I can honestly tell you, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I know him. And the more I walk with Jesus, the more I know that he is trustworthy. I know he loves me. I know he's trustworthy. You may not understand what's happening. You may be having a problem. But one thing is sure. Trust God. Why? Because the Bible tells us, he who comes to God must believe. Trust him. And that he's a rewarder. God is a rewarder to those who seek him. If God has spoken to you and you say, you know what? I want to learn to trust God. What is the first step in trusting God? The Bible is very clear. It's through Jesus. I'm going to end with a short prayer. A prayer of surrendering your life. You see, to trust Jesus means to depend upon him. To cling upon him. To surrender to him. To trust God, you trust Jesus. Trust him as your Savior. Trust him to take care of all the details of your life. But above all, can you trust him for your eternal destiny? 
friends, the ultimate fear is the fear of dying. But Jesus promises, if you trust him, you don't have to be afraid of dying. Because he promised to give us eternal life. And I pray, as you listen to this message, you'll realize God keeps his word. He keeps his promises. Have you claimed this promise? The promise of forgiveness, the promise of eternal life. God gave that promise. It's not anybody. It's not any church. It's Jesus himself. He says if you come to him, he will give you eternal life. If that's your desire, let's pray. Father God in heaven, it is my prayer, my desire. I want to overcome the fear of death, the fear of dying. Today, I invite you. I trust you. I'm taking a step of trust in you alone to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I trust you, Lord. I receive your gift of forgiveness, your gift of eternal life. I surrender my all to you. I entrust to you my life. I entrust to you my problems. I entrust to you my worries. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, you'd like to know more about how you can grow, kindly click on the space provided below. We will have a few discussion questions after this. For next week, we will still be talking about sounds, but the series will be called Songs of Hope. Psalms gives us lots of hope. Hope to see you next week.